Bibles and turn to Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 3. That's where we're going to start this morning. I'm entitled this one, it just comes right out of the text, it's so easy. New clothes for a new you. How many of you like to get new clothes? Got a few clothes hounds. I'm glad to see your hand, Tom. I'm not the only guy that likes clothes. My dear brother over here, Jay, he's sitting uh, security over there. Um, he, he told me, he said, you know, I got some suits in my closet from when I used to work at Jose Banks. I've never done anything with them. And he told me the size. I said, well, bring one and I'll see if it fits. Well, this is, this is, this, this is one of the suits he, he brought for me. Still had the tags on it. I had to take them in and get the pants done and discover that I've lost an inch in my height, which is very vexing. Uh, I'm concerned about that. <laughs> I guess it's gravity. I, I did not sign up for that. But uh, I was pretty excited. So uh, I went home. The lady was able to get those pants hemmed in a day, which I was thrilled with that. And so I take this suit home to show it to my wife. And she says to me, that's great. But you had to take something out of your closet before you put that suit into your closet. Yeah, you feeling my pain over there, Jay? She said, something old has to go when something new shows up, right? And that's literally what Paul's saying. That's it. That's right. You got something. You, that's right. Jay says he gets something new because he got rid of this suit. <laughs> and I can help you out more. You got more of those suits? Send them my way. We'll have you a whole new wardrobe before this is over. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, when you get something new, though, something old has to go. So if you're in... Colossians 3, join me in verse number 1, and we're going to read down through verse 17. If then, or since then, you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth, because you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, what does it say, church? then you also will appear with him in glory. How many of you looking forward to that? We sang about that today, didn't we? On that day when freed from sinning, amen? Because this is true, he says, therefore put to death your members which are on the earth. In other words, these things are so much a part of your life, we're going to call them your members. This is before Christ. He says, ruthlessly, mercilessly slay these things. Like take, take the sword of the spirit and and cut them out of your life. Put them to death. And uh, all of these verbs in here are a once for all action. It's interesting. So once for all, do this. Realize this. These are who you were. Verse number five. Put to death your members which are on the earth. Here they are. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, or lust, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry, idolatry, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked. That used to be you when you lived in them. Those things have no business in the life of a believer. Verse 8, but now you yourselves are to put off these. Here's another list. These are grave clothes you're to strip off. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy. Uh, um, another word for blasphemy there would be slander. Filthy language out of your mouth. And, and do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man and his deeds. 
Now notice verse 10. You put off the old man. That's a once-for-all action. The, the, the old you, historically, has been put off. And historically, he says now, now you are to put on, and you have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Verse 11, we talked about this last week. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Christ is all and in all. In other words, in this new you, Christ is so central that these distinctions that divide disappear. Because what you have in common, who you have in common, the Lord, the King, Jesus Christ, is greater than that which divides you and makes you different. Isn't that, isn't that a message that today we need to embrace? In, our, in, our, in the church, yes, but let that message of the gospel, that unifying message of the gospel, uh, reach our communities as well. So he's saying all this, this unity. Remember, remember the focus right here at the end of these lists, the things that you kill and cut out of your life. Then this list of things that you strip off, the hangers-on that don't have any part. And those are all once-for-all actions. They're all part of the old you, which is not the new you. Always make that distinction. So this whole idea is this great unity in Christ. Now think about it. They're having all this trouble with disunity in the Colossian church. Why? That's exactly right. These false teachers have come in and really confused them. And saying all kinds of stuff that, that does not look like or sound like the gospel. Now here's his transition point. We're going to get into this part today. Therefore, verse 12. And that's important. Um, an old Bible teacher of mine taught me, actually the guy who discipled me when I was a, uh, a teenager, taught me this, whenever you see a therefore, find out what is there for, <laughs> right? And it's, it's always pointing back to the nearest context. And, the, and the, so the nearest context here is this fact that the new you in Christ, as you put them on, uh, that Christ is so central and that you have Christ in common with every other believer that the distinctions, the things that divide you, should disappear. That it's, it's, this, it's this incredible unity that we have because of Jesus. Therefore, because of this unity, therefore what? As the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on. By the way, that's a, make a note in your outline this morning. Uh, that's the same exact verb used in verse 10. That you put off the old man and you put on the new, renewed in knowledge. Uh, that's the same word. It says, put on. I got up this morning, and what did I do? I put on this new suit. And Jay's giving me the thumbs up over there. Uh, just like you put on, you put on once for all, you put on this new person. What are we putting on in verse number 11? He says, because you are the elect, the chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on. Now, here's his list of five. All right, we have the old list, the, the negative list of five. Here's the positive list of five. What are we to put on? Tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Verse 13, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also, so you also must do. But above all, above all these things, 
Put on what, church? Love. Put on, don't forget love. Your outfit's not finished unless you got that belt of love on, right? Which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So I want to talk to you today about new clothes for a new you. And uh, we're just going to walk through three of these six verses. We're going to go through verse 12, 13, and 14. And I want to talk to you about, as I said, the new clothes for a new you. Now, he says here that we are to put on proper clothes for the new man. Proper clothes here, the idea are these characteristics of the new you. So remember, there's the old you. Are you with me? That's the, the, the pre-Jesus you. Before you truly believed in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and repented of your sin, here's what, here's what you used to look like. These are the clothes you used to wear. But then this massive, incredible event happens, and it is the death of the old you. That's the putting off. He, the old you literally died with Christ. I'm crucified with Christ on that cross. And a brand new you came to life. And I love, I said this before, but I want to make sure we understand it. This, whenever the old you and new you is talked about in the scriptures, it's always meant in a historical context, not a psychological context. What do I mean by that? It means the old you is no longer the new you. You're not dealing with the old you and the new you living together in harmony or, or, or living together in conflict. That's not what the scripture teaches. Paul never says that. No, that's who you were. This is who you are. Um, so that's important to understand that. So at the end of the day, Paul is going to give us a list of these characteristics and he likens them to clothing that you wear. This is the new clothes that you put on, the new outfit, because there's a new you. Here's what you should look like. And these are just characteristics or virtues or traits of somebody who has died, has been buried, and has been resurrected with Christ, left the old man in a grave, and is living as the new you. Are you with me? Do you understand, church, this morning that I am talking about only those people who have experienced the, the, their death, burial, and resurrection with Christ? Do you understand that? That's not everybody in this room. I'm not talking to everybody in this room. I'm only talking to people who that happened to. Those are called saints. Um, so at the end of the day, who you are, listen to this, who you are speaks into what you do. Your identity produces your actions. Does that make sense? Who you are speaks into what you do. You are new. And because you are new, you have to learn to live new. Amen? And so Paul's going to unpack that for us today. So this morning, we're going to examine these three verses in God's Word and discover exactly, exactly what these new clothes should look like and then compare it to what we were displaying, uh, to what we are displaying to those closest to us. All right? So here we go. Number one in your outline is the root in verse number 12. Verse A, I call, let's call this the root. 
It says, therefore, that's a weird background there, Sam. I don't think that's the one I had on there. Um, therefore, I hope it's not going to snow. Are you there, Sam? You can put a different background on there. Yeah, that's making it. That's it. So back up to that. Does that come before the first point? <laughs> I almost titled this message WWJW. You've heard WWJD, right? What would Jesus do? This is what would Jesus wear. <laughs> so that's the new you. All you got to ask yourself is, would Jesus wear this characteristic or not? Uh, so what would Jesus wear? So here's the first one is the root. It says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. So let me just deal with that therefore. I told you that already. But because of the truth of verses 1 through 11 and its nearest context, which is this unifying supremacy of the person of Jesus Christ, when Jesus is central in your life, everything that divides you becomes so much less important, it's almost as if they don't exist. Have you ever seen that? Look around you in this room today. I, I have all often marveled at the unifying power of the Lord Jesus Christ through the gospel. There are people who have nothing, a lot of us have nothing in common with each other. We really don't. Have you ever met somebody that, like, like at work or, or out, just out and about? You don't know them from Adam. You come from two totally different backgrounds. You all familiar with what I'm saying? You got nothing in common. And yet before you even get too far, the Holy Spirit in you and the Holy Spirit in them kind of pops up. And you're like, I don't know who you are, but you and I, we're family. Totally different. Would you have anything to do with each other outside of Jesus Christ? Probably not. Inside of Jesus Christ, you're not just friends, you're family. So this, this massive unity that comes about is what he's talking. That's what this therefore is about. Um, this unifying supremacy of Christ. And here's the, here's the reality. It has the power to destroy prejudice, pride, power, and position. Those things that we fight for and that, that cause disunity. This, this supremacy of Christ just deals with that in such an amazing way. So the old timers used to say it this way, that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Amen. Both the rich and the poor, the black and the white, the civilized and the uncivilized, we all, the ground at the foot of the cross is level. Everybody's the same. It's the great unifier. But let me, let me look at these. Let's, next, let's look at these three qualifiers that are at the root that become the foundation of these new clothes. Paul gives three modifiers, or he, he says three things about us that serve as the foundation for putting on these new clothes. And every one of them is vitally important. Matter of fact, I almost did a whole sermon on these three, but I've done so much of that lately. <laughs> I, wanna, I wanna try to get through a, uh, this little section of verses together. Uh, so it says right there, the first one is, you are, saints are, next screen, the elect of God. All right, next verse, next one, there you go. Saints are the elect of God, and that means they're chosen. Um, they're holy, which means set apart or different or other. And they're beloved, which means deeply and dearly loved. These three descriptors of who a saint is. And that first one, the elect of God, or, or God's chosen people and 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 here's the reality uh this word elect 
has messed up a lot of people. There's way too much infighting over this word. And, and at the end of the day, I could preach a whole sermon on this, but at the end of the day, this word elect should not hang you up. It should humble you out. Amen. If you're hung up on this word, that's a you problem. Okay, here's what it means. God loves you. <laughs> God chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world. And whatever that means, it means. All right? And we don't need to worry about it. We don't need to get frustrated. And we don't need to think that we've got to protect God's image somehow over this word. Bottom line, you're chosen. God, God loves you that much. You're, you're chosen of God. But it also says you're holy. What does that mean? It means you're different. Now, I know you people. Some of you folks are really different. <laughs> right? But that word holy means set apart. Right? So, for instance, this, I'm stuck on this suit that you, that you gave me, Jay. I'm not going to wear this suit to go out hunting wild pigs in a swamp this afternoon. Right? Why would I? I wouldn't do that. Why? This suit is holy. It's set apart for certain things. You know, dressing up, the best I got for, for all that God is, this is a good place for it. Do a funeral or a wedding, that's what a suit is for. It's, it's something that is set apart for a specific event. Listen to me. Paul is saying here, because you're chosen by God, chosen of God, you are set apart for something specific. Listen, listen, and sin isn't part of that. God did not save you for you to sin. He saved you so you could saint. Nobody needs to hear that this morning. You're holy. You're set apart. You're different. But then this, I love this next one. And they all kind of three build into and on each other. He says, you're beloved. You are deeply and dearly loved. How many of you know that this morning? If, that's a big old if, if you are in Christ this morning, you are deeply and dearly loved by God. Now, let me give you a real world example that some of you will understand um, others of you will not but maybe one day you will my wife so these idea of chosen holy and love my wife elizabeth um, was chosen by me i chose her out of all the other girls that wanted to marry me <laughs> now am i lying baby they all wanted to marry me in that college, that little college I went to, I was it. I'm literally twice the man I used to be <laughs> as I stand before you today. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, could, I could have had any girl I wanted in that school to spend the rest of my life with. And, it's, and I don't have time to get into it. But, but God so sovereignly ordained um, Elizabeth for me, it, it was so clear to me. Not to her. I had to convince her of that. And it took a little convincing, truly. But I knew it. And when I knew it, I set about convincing her of the reality of this fact. I chose her. And, 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 and because I chose her, because she is elect of Paul, she is set apart for me. I set her apart from all the other girls. And I made sure all the fellows in the dorm knew Elizabeth Adrian. That's how I know she loves me. She gave up Adrian for desidual. That's love, folks, if you ever want to know. <laughs> I want her to know she's off limits. She is set apart for me. And then she's deeply loved by me. 
And for almost 33 years, next month will be 33 years, Elizabeth has lived as chosen, holy, set apart, and loved by me. And we, from the time that God awakened us and arrested us in our sin and called us to Christ, we have lived chosen, set apart, and deeply and dearly loved by God. And some of us need to understand that today. That as, as followers of Christ, you are deeply and dearly loved. And by the way, love is not, I'm going to get into this later, but love is not measured by what it will do. It's measured by what it won't. Love is much easier, easier to measure by its limits than its successes. When you love with no strings attached, there is no negative in that. There's nothing you won't do. There's nowhere you won't go. And by the way, that's how God loves us. Isn't that beautiful truth this morning? So let's jump into this part. That's the foundation or the, or the footing there, if you will. Now let's look, at, <clears throat> let's look at this. I want you to say this with me. That'll come up on the screen. If you are a saint, by the way, saint means holy one. Did you know that? Set apart one. That's why God calls us saints. Predominantly, the overwhelming title of somebody who is experiencing the death, burial, and resurrection with Christ, and the old you is dead in a tomb, and the new you is walking around with these new clothes on, the word for someone like that is called a saint. Hagios, a set-apart one. All right, and here's what saints are. Look at the screen. Saints are chosen of God, set apart for God, and deeply loved by God. Do you believe that this morning? Now, I want you to say that with me. Say that on the screen, you can read, so I won't need to read it for you. When I say begin, let's all declare this together. Ready? Begin. I am a saint, chosen of God, set apart for God, and dearly loved by God. And brothers and sisters, we need to live in light of that true reality. That is a glorious truth right there. And, but from this root of my identity in Christ, who I am, the new man, the new me, the new self, as God declares it, and I just agreed with him, from this root of my identity springs the fruit or the characteristics of this new person, the new me, the new self. And I want to show you what that looks like. And I just entitled this, Fruit as Clothing. Fruit as Clothing. And this is in the very first part of verse 12. Actually, the second part of verse 12. 12b, that will come up here. There we go. Fruit is clothing, 12b. Now look at, look at verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, here's what you do. Put on. Same, same verb. And by the way, that means once and for all. Once and for all, you put this on. Put on. First one is tender mercies. You can write in your outline there maybe compassion. That's another word for it. Put on compassion. Tender mercy. Um, put on humility, or excuse me, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. Long, and then he kind of he takes in verse 13, we'll get there in a second, he kind of explains, he, he, he goes in a little bit more depth of what long-suffering looks like. And you can already imagine by the word, can't you? Long-suffering means to suffer long time. <laughs> And some of you know what that means. 
Sorry, so let's take this idea. What is compassion? Talk to me now. What's compassion? Caring about others? Uh, when, when you hear this characteristic of compassion, what does a person or somebody come to your mind? Isn't that sad? What's that? Well, Jesus, of course. All right, Mother Teresa was someone who was known for her deep compassion for the least of these, um, even just our own mothers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Compassion. We're supposed to wear compassion like clothes. <laughs> this is the fruit of Jesus showing. Was Jesus compassionate? Yeah. You know, that was Linda's. Yeah, he was. Is God compassionate? Aren't you glad? And he says, as, as, as Christ was compassionate to you, you wear that compassion for other people. Kindness. Who's somebody, I want you to just write this down in your outline. Who's somebody, when, when I say kindness, who's someone that comes to your mind? Me? Ben is, ben is wanting something here. <laughs> Even my wife is surprised. That's hurting my feelings a little bit. <laughs> kindness. Who's, who's someone you know that's kind? Uh, my wife and I have a mutual friend of ours, and I won't say her name because she, she might watch this or it might get back to her, and she would be embarrassed because she is truly the next word, which is humble. But this, this woman is just kind. All the time, seems like. Um, and if there's ever a true follower of Jesus, it's her. The kindness in her just spills out and we've we've watched her life over the years we've watched her take the least of these kind of reminds me of the mainers back here um all the kids that they fostered and eventually adopted and raised and then they're getting to the age where you know they're just smidge older than us and they're finally done now nope, here comes another baby <laughs> along and we get to watch that kid grow up and i've watched the compassion now elizabeth knows what i'm talking about would you agree with me the, the, the kindness just flows out of her. What about humility? Humi- what is humility? What is that? Okay, not taking credit for everything. Yeah, I was going to write a book on humility titled Humility and How I Attained It, but I don't think that would work. By the way, I will recommend to you, though, two books on humility, just titled Humility, both of them. One is by um, Andrew... Thank you, Murray. That name was Andrew Murray. Read that book. And the other is by, um, oh, my oldest son. I don't see him here. He could help me with this. It's the guy, maybe Courtney can, who used to be the pastor of Sovereign Grace. Um, I can see his face. He's bald like me. Uh, It's right there, tip of my tongue. It'll come to me at the end of the message when I'm home. I'll put it on Facebook. I'll, I'll link it. C.J. Mahaney. And I love C.J.'s book because it's kind of where I, I relate so much more to his experiences. But uh, both of those books are good. Humility. Not, I love that. Whoever says, Linda, not, not taking credit for everything. Meekness. Bible says that Moses was the meekest person 
meekest man. What, when, when you hear meekness, what do you think? Most of us think weakness, and meekness and weakness are not the same thing. In fact, meekness, if we understand it correctly, is great power under control. Um, we used to, I don't know how we got to know the Skinner kids. I remember one of their, was it Jimmy and Brett, Mom? Somehow we picked them up for school, and then I think ultimately started going to church with us. We picked them up for church. But the Skinner boys had this giant plow horse. It was one of them kind of horses with the big feet, like the really big feet. He was massive. His name was Goliath because he was so huge. But that's the most meek creature you'd ever see. And um, we'd go over to their house, or they would ride him over to our place, and we had to get on the fence to get on his back because he was so tall. But like six of us would get on his back. No saddle. Six of us get on the back of this monstrous beast. And just with his mane, we could control him. That thing could have stomped the stew out of every one of us. But it was so meek. It had such massive power under control. Flip side, we had a horse that, that was at the Jettle Farm where my grandparents lived named Scout. It was an old Mustang. About a quarter of the size of Goliath. And the meanest horse you ever seen in your life i mean scout will bite you will kick you uh one of his favorite things to do is when you got in the stall to get him out he would squish you against that stall and he's just a little mustang but me and then if you ever did get him out in the field you got to get him out in the field and get get on his back he would run straight for the barn which had a low entrance and scrape you right off his back the only person i ever seen ride him successfully was my dad and that somehow that horse knew that dad was the boss and he wasn't going to get away with it. But we were all scared of him because he was not meek. <laughs> he had power and it was not under control. Meekness, power under control. And then this last one is long-suffering. What's that? Patient. You ever known somebody with a short fuse? You ever been in a relationship with somebody with a short fuse? No, I'm just going to say, don't point at them if you're sitting next to each other. And there you all go, pointing at each other. <laughs> Someone once said, when you point at somebody, you have three fingers pointing back at you. Uh, but yeah, it's no fun being in a relationship with somebody with a short fuse, is it? And Paul says, no, here, here's what this clothes, here's what Jesus would wear. He, he wore, was Jesus long-suffering? You better believe it. And aren't we thankful that he is? Now, I, I thought of something here. As this fruit. And he said, this is what you should look like. Now, I want to, I want to be careful here because I want to be honest with the text. But I also want to remind you of the broader scriptures. The text says you're supposed to put this, these characteristics on. I mean, I, I, you can't make that up. It says put on because you're chosen by God. And that's, that's the important modifier. Because you're chosen, holy, and deeply loved, this is what you wear. Paul says it in Romans, put on, literally he says put on Christ. By the way, when you put on Jesus Christ, guess what you're putting on? Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. That makes sense? You're supposed to wear Jesus like a robe because you're new, and that's what you should be dressed in. But I got to thinking about this, and on the next screen you'll see it. If you'll go back and look at verse number 8, look, look at this list in verse number 8. These are direct opposites. He says, put on compassion, but you're supposed to strip off what? 
Anger. How many of you ever known any angry, compassionate people? <laughs> they kind of don't go together, do they? Boy, he's an angry, compassionate man. That, that doesn't fit, does it? Look at the next one. Kindness versus wrath. Same thing. Boy, he's an angry, kind person. <laughs> right? This is the stuff we're supposed to strip off, not put on. Look at the next one. Humility versus malice or evil intent. How many of you knew a humble person that was great at getting, getting back at everybody? <laughs> that doesn't fit, does it? You see what Paul's doing here? He's showing us these are the opposite. These are virtues and vices. Look at the next one. Meekness versus slander. Power. Oh, how many of you know that when you got dirt on somebody, you got power over them? You with me? Huh? When you got something on somebody and you, we call it what? You hold it what? Over their head. That's a saying. You hold it over their head. You, you got control and you can use that to your advantage in a fleshly way by slander. I'm going to tell what you did. How many of you are glad that the scriptures say as far as the east is from the west, so far will he remove our sins from you? Woo! Praise the Lord for that. I'm so glad for that meekness of Christ. What about this one? Long-suffering. Now, this one's, this, one looks a little, this one's a little harder to make that connection. What's the difference between long-suffering and filthy or, 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 or uh, unacceptable language out of your mouth? It's there. Yeah, frustration. So I spent a few days in Florida, not this week, the week before, with my brother. And he has his timeshare in Orlando. And it was really interesting to me. Um, staying with him there, we went to the pool. The kids wanted to swim. Uh, and the older I get, the less I like stuff like that. That is not. Although I did find a hot tub, I did like that. That was that felt good. But I'm not gonna just jump in a pool like I used to. So I people watch. And what was interesting to me is here are these people who have paid all this money for this timeshare. I'm watching these families, right? And um, kids are kids. And these parents are trying so hard to have a good time, but they're being so mean to their kids to do it. <laughs> Right? You know what I'm saying? Have y'all ever seen that? You know, you're going to get in this pool and you're going to like it. The kid's scared to death of water. <laughs> I paid all this money and you better believe you're going to have a good time. <laughs> right? So, so someone who's long-suffering, those nasty words don't come out of their mouth. Why? What comes out of your mouth looks like Jesus. What would Jesus wear? What would Jesus say? And we're even going to get into that next week when we get to the end of this thing. So here's what we're supposed to, we're supposed to wear. Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. And I'm going to give you a heads up because this is where we're going here in just a second. I got homework for you to do right here in the church because I don't trust that you're going to do it when you go home. So you might want to jot this down. I want you to think of a time when you had this list of the two right here in front of you. Think of a time this week, just one, and I'm going to make it easy for you. Because I did this myself and it was hard. <laughs> so I'm going to make it easy for you. Take one in, one in the new self clothes and one in the old self. Give me, give me an example when you exhibited something that looked like this new clothing, Christ's characteristics in your life this week. And then be honest, and I want you to give an example and write it down of something on this other list. Or maybe you got to go back to verse number five. 
that you exhibit in. All right, next one. Paul is going to modify this last one of, of this, this idea of long-suffering. Have you ever known someone with a long fuse? That you, I mean, you, you know, I was like, no end to their patience. Ever known somebody like that? You know how people get like that? One of two ways. One is passivity, which is sin. The other is these people are frequent forgivers. I know, it's quiet. They learn to forgive fast and frequently. They're fast and furious forgivers. (laughs) Are you? Look at what Paul says in verse 13. Bearing, now again, he's modifying this list, specifically this long-tempered or long-suffering. Here's how you do it. Bearing with one another. How many of you know some people you just got put up with? Don't look at them if you're sitting next to them. If you've been married over 10 years, you know what I mean. My wife's had to put up with me for almost 33 years. She knows what it means. Bearing with one another. Putting up with one another. And what? Here's how you do that. Forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, you got a problem with somebody. Now, now, now look, look at how he's going to compare this. Even as Christ forgave who? You. So you also must do. So the same forgiveness, that, the same level of forgiveness, the same speed of forgiveness that Jesus gave to you, he says, here's how you, here's how you wear long-suffering. You turn around and do that for other people. You got a problem with somebody? Good. You treat them like Jesus treated you. There's so many people out there that have this idea, and it's really a fallacious idea, and I want to expose it, that God is sitting up there in heaven just waiting for you to mess up so he can zing you. First of all, how easy would that be for God? I, 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 I when, when I, and I think that way sometimes. And when you start thinking that way, what it is is you got a really bad theology. Because listen, folks, if God wants to zing you, you've already done enough. He don't have to wait. Am I right? I mean, if God wants to punish you for your sins, put your seatbelt on. It's coming. And you know what? When I get to thinking like that, you know what I got to remind myself, Paul. He already punished Jesus for that sin, and God doesn't do double jeopardy. And what God is going to bring into my life is in the form of discipline, which is for God's glory, which is ultimately my good. So stop worrying. That's the idea here. We need to forgive frequently. These are interpersonal qualities. By the way, the place to begin in any tension is with you rather than the other person. How many of us, when we get sideways with someone, when, we, when someone's ticked us off, how many of us start writing a list of what they need to do to fix this situation? Hmm? And we do that in our head, right? All right, you messed up, and here's what you need to do, and, and only then am I going to give you a not guilty verdict. Anybody? Sound familiar? 
Whoo! That ain't how Jesus did it. And Paul says, that's not how you do it either. We need to forgive. What does forgive mean? Real quick. Forgiving does not mean forgetting. Matter of fact, there's a verse that says he forgets our, he, he, our sins. What that literally, can God really forget? Do you have the ability to forget? Unless it's where you put your car keys. I do that all the time. I lost my glasses the other day. They were right there. Not making it up. Uh, can, you, can you specifically choose to forget something? If I, I've often said one day, Anna, when she was a little girl, how old was she, nine, eight, when she fell out here? Eight. She fell out here. We used to have a dumpster, and she climbed up a pole, decided to jump to it. She missed, fell down, put her arm to brace herself, and her bone came, blew her elbow out, and her little bone came shooting out of her arm. And I went over there and picked up that little girl with her bone sticking out of her arm and dirt embedded in the marrow and literally held her and carried her. Let me tell you something. If I had the ability to choose to forget something, it'd be that day. I've told her more than once. Just the other day, I said, do you know there's times I still wake up in the middle of the night with a cold sweat because I've dreamt about that day, that moment. If I, I would, if they would have a surgery that they could go in my brain and burn out whatever cells are and I wouldn't remember that, I'd sign up for that surgery. But I can't. We can't forget. God never tells you to. But we can forgive. What does forgive mean? It means you let the other person off the hook. You let God deal with them. And you, you say, you know what? They did what they did. You don't, re, you don't rewrite the past. You own it. You tell the truth. You say, you know what? I got a problem with them, but God forgave me of more than I'll ever have to forgive them. I'm, gonna let, I'm, I'm letting it go. I'm letting, them, I'm letting them go in the name of Jesus. And you know what happens? You get free. You get free. Maybe there's somebody here you need to forgive. Maybe there's someone in your life you need to forgive. Write their name down. And in a minute, let them go. Say, God, I, I let them go. I forgive them. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. Doesn't mean they weren't wrong. Doesn't mean it wasn't painful. But just like Jesus forgave me and let me off the hook, the responsibility for my sin, I'm, I'm forgiving them. And I'm going to let them go today. And then this last one is we need to be fastened by love. Verse 14. That's the one indispensable quality. We have individual qualities in verse 12, interpersonal qualities in verse 13, but here is this one indispensable quality in verse 14. Here's what he says. But, but above all these things, above all these characteristics, this new clothing for the new you, you better put on love. Don't forget to put on love. Why? Because it's the bond of perfection. For you ladies out there, love completes the outfit. <laughs> it's the belt. Literally, there's the idea, and the, and the original word is the word sash that would go around it. It ties it all together. Right? Outfit's not right without love. And, that, and it's interesting here. Um, Paul uses the definite article the the love 
the specific love, and that word love is agape. That's the kind of love that, that cares more about the other person than you do yourself. That's the kind of love that God, for God so what? Love the world. That kind of love. That kind of love that has the other person's well-being way before your own. He must increase and I must what? Decrease. It's a love that's all about the other and not about self. It's this specific type of love. And think about it. And all of these characters, are any of these characteristics, any of this clothing possible without love? No, it's the theme that runs through them all in Galatians 5 when he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Starts with what? Love. Matter of fact, some say, I don't know if this is true or not, I haven't studied it out in depth, but some say there's really only one word there and it's love, and the rest of the list is the fruit of love. It modifies love. So when you have love, you have joy, peace, gentleness, patience, suffering, uh, long-suffering, kindness. You have all those. When you have love, when you have love in your heart for the other person, when, you, when this whole thing is fastened together with the love of God, guess what? You have compassion for people. You have kindness. You have gentleness. Right? You have long-suffering and patience for folks when you have love. The love of God for us needs to be our love for others. And by the way, this love here in verse 14 contrasts what I call the filthy five of verse number five, which is self-seeking, sensual, worldly lust. I've known a lot of people that are in lust with someone, but they're not really in love with them. Right? Why? Because, think about it. It's so simple. Lust focuses on the luster, <laughs> meaning my needs. Love focuses on meeting the needs of the other person. Love says you first. Lust says me first. Right? I like how the NIV says it. It says that love binds all these things together in perfect unity. And unity is the fruit of faith. They were having trouble with each other because there were lies being told and falseness being, being uh, taught. Disunity is the fruit of the flesh. It's a fruit of false teaching and it's a fruit of the former you. That's not you anymore. You're a new you. So the application is so what? So what do I do with that? Here's what you do with it. And here's how we're going we're gonna to apply today's scripture. Remember I told you to write some stuff down? I'm going to make you do something with it. Sam, go back to slide number eight. I think this is already in your outline, so you don't even need it. Uh, pull the whole thing up. There you go, buddy. So I, I told you to give one example of when you did when, when you did something that looked like when God did something through you that looked like Jesus and one example of the other side. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to get with two or three people around you. Like there's three right here. I want you to get with two or three people around you, and I'll, I'm going to give you five minutes, and I want you to tell them, here's what I did that I think looked like Jesus. Here's what I did that looked a lot more like the old me and not the current me. And then I want you to pray for each other. So I don't like going, I don't, look, I came here to hear a sermon, hear you pray and go home. I, you know what? Can I be honest with you? I hate when preachers do this, and I'm sitting in the audience too. I hate it. By the way, I'll let you in on a little secret. We pastors are the worst. We're the worst. And you know who's second? Pastor's wives. I remember visiting a church where I was preaching, and I did this at the end, and literally the pastor's wife was sitting right over here, and I could still see her face. She went, oh, brother. <laughs> she hated it. This is good for you. We need to do the word. Amen? Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. Amen? So I want you to get with two or three people, and I want you just to share that, and I want you to pray with each other. Do that right now. Go ahead.
That means now. Find a couple people. Share your list. I'm going to give you a few minutes. Good, bad, ugly, and then pray for each other. Encourage each other. There's three people right there. That's a good place to start. Jay's going to confess his sin to Aubrey. <laughs> Anna's leaving. <laughs> Using the baby as an excuse. <laughs> Come on, you three. I want to see you all working. See, once you, once you break the ice, it's not so hard. Go ahead and transition to praying. Praying prayers of encouragement over each other. Thanking God for the good things. Don't forget that. We always tend to go to the negative. Let's start with the good. Thank you, Lord, for showing up in this person's life. I want that in my life. So go ahead and transition to your prayer time. This is good. This is good. Pleases the Lord. Continue to pray together. Father, I, we love you today. Thank you for these new clothes. You all keep praying as I'm praying. Thank you for, for, for helping us, for, for putting Christ on in our life. You put Christ on us. You put these beautiful new clothes in the closet of our hearts, just like this nice suit that Jay gave me this week. It was a gift. I didn't do anything to earn it. We didn't do anything to earn Jesus, but you gave him to us. And as we put Jesus on, we put on compassion instead of anger. We put on kindness instead of our wrath. We, 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 we put on humility instead of going after people with nasty intention because they didn't bow to our wishes. We put on meekness instead of slander. And we, we put on long-suffering instead of abusive speech. And we forgive quickly. We forgive fast. And I thank you that 
you've done that. You did that. When that shows up, that is all you. Lord, help us to wear those clothes, those Jesus clothes. And make us super aware, like super sensitive when anything from the old me closet <laughs> gets put on in our life. Um, and help us, help us to just stop immediately, to strip, to say, hey, you know what? That closet's closed and has a lock on it. I got no business wearing that. And to repent and to, and to put on the corresponding characteristic that looks like Jesus. Help us to forgive. And Lord, if there's people here that, that don't really know you, that aren't in a relationship with you based on faith alone and repentance, turning from sin to Christ, I pray that you would wake them up and draw them to you quickly today with the power of the gospel. We love you and we thank you for this forgiveness that we have through Christ. Help us to turn our eyes upon Jesus. Turn our eyes. Let us see that cross in an empty tomb and know that we're in that tomb. The old us, but the new us is wearing clothes that look like Jesus. We ask this in his name. Amen. I have a Courtney come and a Worship team, would you stand and join us? We're going to sing one of my new favorites. We found this a couple years ago, maybe uh, at a conference called G3. And it's called Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Taken from the old, older hymn and kind of revamped a little bit. But this is how we do it, folks. We look to him, amen, who is the author and finisher of our faith. For the joy that was set before him. Endured the cross, despising the shame, and he is set down at the right hand of the Father. Amen? Make an intercession for you and I so that we can wear clothes that look just like Him. Join Courtney as we sing together. Turn your eyes upon Jesus Look full in His wonderful face And the things of earth will grow strange Oh